Hello and welcome to the False Neutral. I am Eric. I am hosting Semi-Solo this week. Uh, what we have for you this week is an interview with the organizer of the Canadian National Superbike Series, Colin Frazier. Now, recently I took a trip up to Canada, as I do every year, at least once a year, to go announce for the National Superbike Series. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two, and uh, hopefully next year it's more than that. But uh, that's nothing to do with this week's show. But in saying so, I've been announcing up there for well over a decade, pretty much as one of the main announcers at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park for the for this particular race, and for almost 17 years now at some level, uh, whether it was you know in a corner, the main announcer on certain days, uh, or just in for one or two of the classes to announce. Over the years, I've developed some friendships with a number of people, got to know the scene up there fairly well, and it's been a great experience up there. Now, the Canadian National Series and, and motorcycling in Canada is, is different on a couple different levels. First off, it's a nation of you know, 25, 28 million people. Their riding season is relatively short, and their racing season, at least for the superbikes on the national level, is even shorter. The series kicks off at the end of May and you know finishes uh, towards the end of August, well before Labor Day here in America. Now, in the past, as part of what they've done to help promote young talent through the series, they've had a series of different ladder classes. Way back in the day, it was Suzuki, Suzuki SV650. And in the last, say, eight or nine years, they've started with the Honda 125 uh, single-cylinder, four-stroke sport bikes. Then they went to the 250 version of that bike. And in the last couple of years, it's been the Kawasaki Ninja 300s. Well, the exciting news was that right they released uh, they put out a press release right before I went up there saying that for 2018 they are going to have a lightweight sport bike class open to all makes which is really exciting so rather than a spec class that's going to be open to KTM, Honda, Yamaha and whoever wants whoever else wants to play Kawasaki uh that can fit within the rules. Now Colin will talk a little bit about that in our interview that we're doing for this week's show. And I think it went relatively well. We, I wanted to talk more about uh, kind of the idea of lightweight sport bikes, but we got talking about racing and, well, you know, it's for me, that's the easiest thing to fall back onto, and I did. And Colin's also very good at uh, talking and also promoting series because, well, that's what he does, and that's what he should be doing because that's, that's, like I said, his job. But it's good. It's a really good conversation. We talk about lightweight sport bikes. We talk about bringing up young talent, uh, the reasons why they're they're going in this direction. And I think it's a good direction. And uh, even ap now after this, uh, Moto America has put out an announcement that they're going to be doing something similar. So hopefully the series will have similar um, specs to their series. So we can, you know, the, the people from Canada can go down south and maybe the few of the people running in Moto America will come up into Canada. You got to hope, right? I mean, that's how you want to pollinate traffic or pollinate talent, right? Get it to cross the borders. But um, so it's really exciting. Um, as I said, I'm always happy to go up there. And it was I think it was a good conversation with Colin. And that's this week's show. So hope you enjoy it. So we're at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park during the finale, series finale here, the traditional series doubleheader finale. 
and uh, sitting with Colin Frazier, who's the organizer for the series. And uh, Colin, thanks for joining us on uh, The False Neutral. Thank you, Eric. Good to see you. Good to see you again. So uh, one of the things that, uh, or the main thing we're going to talk about, it was an exciting development in a press release right before the uh, week before the race, was that you are putting together a, another class which is going to bring a bunch of the lightweight sport bikes together to run uh, as a group, where in the past it's been single manufacturers, now we're going to have multiple manufacturers. So um, A, as an advocate of that, cool, and then uh, B, talk about how that's come about. So uh, we've run a number of very small displacement classes, CBR-125, CBR-250, and then currently Kawasaki Ninja 300. And uh, I think everybody knows if you can have a fun small displacement sports bike, not too expensive, those almost always yield great races and fun races and good way to develop talent if you don't let the rules get at hand. And the interesting thing that's happened lately is, you know, 30 years ago, plus 30 years because I raced RZ Cup in the States, which was crazy, and, and then there was RZ Cup here, which was sane. But, uh, you know, we've come full circle in terms of small displacement sport bikes, and you could cynically argue it's because of insurance, but nonetheless, the manufacturers are much more interested in small displacement motorcycles and sport bikes. You know, in Canada, that's by far the best-selling sport bikes are all smaller displacement, and that's an insurance issue. So now the manufacturers, who have been not much involved in racing since the recession hit, uh, this is an area they're interested. In. So we've managed to build things back up. Uh, things are going pretty well right now, but obviously you'd always like to have a, um, another good class and a feeder class. And uh, you know, a while ago we started looking for young Canadian racers, and I think there was some skepticism that we'd find them. Well, I think everybody's discovered as soon as you start looking, you find all kinds. But the trick is not to find them or to prove their worth or to season them or whatever it is. It's to find them somewhere to go after they leave whatever. You know, and the Red Bull is a perfect example. So many good riders, but very few of them can get the rides that lead there or even... You know, McCormick got out of here, but he got to World Superbike, and that was about the time he had to start having money to do it. So trying to help people at whatever level find the next step is, is one of the toughest things in racing right now. And certainly, you know, Cordy, who was so fast here last year, certainly has been very outspoken about how he thinks he should get paid to ride a motorcycle. So I've just, you know, cracked the nut on about 27 different issues there. <laughs> sure. But nonetheless, we, we would like to go lightweight racing. We would like to have a wide range of motorcycles. Uh, we see what's going on, particularly in the western United States and the regional level. Level. And also what's going on with the FIM with the European Cup, which I, I think has been a success. And is an, you know, they managed to make a variety of motorcycles race together. And the KTM series with Moto America attracts a lot of attention. So the timing's right. When we started with Kawasaki, this was a notion to years ago and since then it's, it's built momentum and all the pointers seem to be indicating it's a good choice. Uh, and on top of that, um, you know, Yamaha has specifically asked, KTM have specifically asked. We had a meeting with the manufacturers at one of the Toronto motorcycle shows in February, and everybody's pretty comfortable. Uh, so it's just a matter of, you know, cooking up a set of rules, which is a lot of work in this case because there is some apples and oranges. Um, so that's, that's going to be tricky, and uh, it's, I'm sure it's going to take some refining. But I think it's going to be worthwhile because I think the racing will be very exciting. Hopefully it will be affordable, and I'm fairly confident we'll discover some, you know, a year from now you and I may be having a conversation about someone you and I have never even heard of right now who came from motocross or mini bike racing or who knows what, but will be here maybe winning their first national championship. Sure, and you know, I've, I've been coming up here for uh, 17 years now and have watched it in, in, in not only 125, 250s, but even before that SV Cup, and you've always done a pretty good job of having a 
a ladder system for people to come up so you didn't force young kids just to have to jump on a, a 600 right away and go at it. So and I think this is a, a great way to do it. Um, but also what I saw and I like is that you're not putting any kind of age restriction on it like KTM Cup has so that older people who still want to be involved in the sport or maybe they have a, a son or someone they want to mentor, they can ra still race and then bring along someone as well. So no age restriction on that. So I think that's that's pretty cool too. Well, or at I least at this point you don't have one. No, what I, I mean I, I think everybody's excited. I think it's realistic to hope we'll have 20 something bikes starting next year. We've, we have a notion of that this weekend. But uh, you know you want to walk before you run and you actually don't want a packed grid when you start something new because there's going to be some teething issues and there's going to be some challenges and there's going to be some problems and there's going to be some mistakes with the competitors and there's going to be some mistakes with the series so you got to be realistic that there's a lot of new business it's going to be complicated so uh, you want to walk before you run and people say well maybe we can add pros or maybe we can add women or maybe we you know maybe we can split it out to change the nature of the grids and all of those ideas are interesting and to some extent some of those ideas would depend on sponsors but I think we need to get the thing on its feet and refine the rules particularly the technical stuff which is going to be uh, a challenge I think I don't think it's insurmountable but there will be some bumps along the way and of course you're going to have a mixture of people who've raced other classes and have come here and of course the backbone of this class will be the Ninja Cup guys because they already have their bikes and we've uh, used a car racing word, uh, index. The Kawasaki 300 is the index bike. You know, so if you race, you know, Pirelli Challenge, the Ferrari Five, whatever, that's the car. All the other cars get the rules changed to match that car, and they told everybody ahead of time that's the the target car. So that's the Ninja 300. We got lots of those. We know them. They've been on the dyno. They've been taken apart. All that stuff's happened. So that's our goal is to index that bike. You know, right? Probably. The horsepower limit will go up a little bit for most of the bikes. Uh, some of the bikes, like the, the Honda Singles, uh, it's a fair bit of work to get competitive horsepower for what we're planning out of those. So they'll be allowed bore and stroke changes, but most of the other bikes won't. Uh, so there's a lot of detail-y stuff, and, and our rules have typically allowed you to improve a bike that perhaps does not have the same outright performance as some of the others, but inevitably, if you are determined to race whatever because of sponsorship or, 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 it's going to be harder, you know, mm -hmm. and that's your choice if for whatever reason you think you need to ride brand X. But what we want to do is not have any brand predominate. Uh, we want to have a variety of motorcycles at the front. Uh, and of course, you know, what if next year there's one guy who's just unbelievably good? That makes it, you know, what if one bike's winning and the next bike is 12th? There's no point in slowing him down. That's he, he's he's an anomaly because of his talent. Sure. Uh, but you know we we are aware of how all these things work, and we will march through the problems, and you know, and also march through the tracks because our tracks are not much like American tracks, certainly Moto America tracks. Uh, our tracks are more like club tracks, and certainly what's going on in Europe has almost zero bearing on us track-wise sure. because this is the only really fast track we go to, and in Europe this would be kind of a typical track. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that. Um, sorry, just making sure that. Yeah, no good. You mentioned earlier uh, that one of the big uh, reasons some of these bikes have taken off in Canada is because of insurance costs. Um, but it would also be purchase costs too, because most of these bikes tend to be under. Well, I, I'm not going to know the Canadian ver Canadian mm -hmm. costs on it, but let's just say six thousand dollars. Yeah, well, that's a kind of a, a good number for us, and it's they fortunately have been a competitive class in the big cities in Canada, so you can usually get a good price. Um, so yeah, the price of the bike is important, uh, and the reality. 
that anyone who's ridden a small displacement bike knows you're just not going through everything the right. same way. I mean, one of the biggest problems, and it's a, almost an insurmountable problem, is people complain about the wear of parts, the price of tires, stuff like that. But it's so many of these things are a genie that really can't be put back in the bottle. It's like, well, if we don't have uh, tire warmers, then we wouldn't have generators, then we wouldn't need all these stands, and we wouldn't need as many canopies. And there's some argument and logic to that and I'm an old guy who production raced when you had almost nothing and just went and did it right you just leaned the bike against a wall because you didn't have a stand but that you know you can't argue that racing is safer with tire warmers and all you know John Ulrich made a very good point about 20 years ago that you know if you don't have rain tires you're going to use more body work if you don't have tire warmers you're going to chomp through more parts so it's a, it's a different way to look at something, but the problem we have is the buy-in gets so frighteningly large unless you have a background or you know somebody or you, you, know, you mentioned mentoring with riding. Well, mentoring at every level, if you happen to get lucky and hit a shop where they all love racing and they drag you along, then you can have a bike cheap and people will lend you stuff and you won't need all that. But some people don't have that connection or, you know, I imagine next year we're going to get some motocross families, right? And they have a nice trailer and they've been racing and they're going to try what we're doing, but they're not going to come with a ton of stuff that's useful for what we do. Uh, so that's every every choice you make affects the cost and Canada, you know, is a very much a club racing environment even at the national level. The cost of things has a huge effect. You know, we basically all of our super bikes are super stock bikes, right? They're none of them are worth a lot of money. So when you know, when we watch a Moto America race, it's that class we pay attention to. Of course, we're very happy that now those bikes do very well. Sure. Uh, but you know, we we just straight up don't Nobody has the money, you know. People, we got a lot of families. Like, go oh, Thomas Kazaz has some decent help, but he and his dad basically run that program, and they just won a national championship. And Jordan Soak, for a long time, rode for factory teams, and he still does pretty well. But he is running his own program. So, the, um, you know, there's no there's no 18 wheelers here right, right now, and. Uh, Cynic might argue it's we're better without it, and we've grown pretty far back to where we were in terms of exposure and competition, but we don't have the safety net of factory bikes, and we don't have uh, you know second bikes that the you know Jordan has a teammate who's some young guy like McCormick was because there's lots of money and there's all that structure. So yeah, it'd be nice to have some of those um, uh, spin-offs of the big budgets, but. You know, whether or not your bike came in an 18-wheeler actually doesn't affect the level of competition, which is easy for me to say we don't have any right now. Right, right. <laughs> um, so looking, looking good for that. Those are all in this touch on the series. Um, three or four years ago, okay, the economy was not, uh, you guys are a little bit behind the U.S. and we went through our bit and you were sort of playing catch-up. And three or four years ago, a couple of the uh, couple of classes of the grids were really sparse. Oh, I think yeah, one, Pro I think, Sport bike was Yeah, I was going to say Pro tough. Sport bike, like seven, I think seven bikes on the mm -hmm. grid at here like mm -hmm. three or four years ago. And now we've got 20, 20 plus or 30, 30 plus. And so uh, everything has come back pretty good uh, at this point. Uh, is it a sustainable level though? Well, I think there's there's an ebb and a flow always, and you hope that you have enough structure and planning in the good times to carry you through the bad times. This time we were this was about the worst time we've ever had, and it went pretty well. You know, and I, I'm not saying we're we're at the level of Moto America by any means, and certainly factory teams like Yamaha's program in Moto America affects so many people, and it's such a great program. Of course, we'd love to have programs like that. BMW does a fair bit in Canada. Ironically, BMW really don't have a program in the states, so it's interesting how these things play out. 
but uh, I, I think it's sustainable. I think our model has changed. I don't know if the old model will ever come back. You know, I, I watch television, be in sports, and, and see what's going on, and particularly Sears Point was a really good weekend for them, I thought. Strong grids and great racing. And we're here. This is our showcase event. And uh, I'm not saying they're the same, but they're similar in a broad sense in terms of entry and competition. Now, we don't have the A-level superbikes, but we certainly can't sustain that. And if we allowed those, we'd probably have one, and Jordan would be the guy who's on it. Right. So I, I don't, I mean, Jordan's still doing the bulk of the winning. Uh, so I, I don't think that's a big problem. And you know, whenever you have rules changes or a new direction, it kind of depends on how fortunate you are when you make those changes. If things go smoothly, like we went to Superstock rules a long time ago now, but that happened to coincide with Pascal Picot's return. Nobody remembers we changed the rules because Picot returned and it was, you know, blew everything up. Yep. So if you're lucky, you know, you can you can make some changes because you don't really want rules changes to be the most interesting thing right. about the series. You want racing to try and, you know, that's the one nice thing about lightweight. You can almost count on it producing good racing, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and that and a certain amount of that, you know, that uh, when you're we're producing an entertainment. Uh, so you know, we've touched on a lot of things that are kind of insider gear heady things but having racing that's fun to watch and that people understand what they're seeing and want to come and see it again and want to watch it on TV and tell their friends and all that stuff you know and and however you approach it all all that marketing stuff has changed so much like you know we just had a, a young guy a teenager win a national championship and he rode around with a sign asking Valentino Rossi to tame him, take him back to Italy you know yep. it's a different world we live in and and these things are fun you know it's uh, it's another thing to talk about and you know we had some smoke bombs and stuff so we had a little tiny bit of European influence <laughs> but I, as far as I know we've never actually done that that's the first time I remember that in Canada so uh, you know it's, I think we've we've got a, a, a surprisingly strong selection of young people. Uh, that's really good. Um, it's not Jordan Zog's fault that he wins. It's everybody else's fault, right? right. Let's be Agreed. clear about this. He Agreed. has a job to do, and he does it very well. Um, I think it, you know today it's an easy conversation because someone who's never been on the podium led most of the superbike race. Samuel Trapagne was a rookie pro last year, and generally qualified well, really struggled with his starts. This year, you know, you could argue he's the most shining example of BMW's program, right? Mm -hmm. they, all the stuff's available, you can order it, and if you plug away, maybe you can race Jordan's Oak, which sounds pretty silly until actually somebody did it, right? So there's there's a guy who last year didn't even make it into Super Pole, and this year he led the race. So uh, those, those are the kinds of things when you're organizing races you're really happy about because it's something different to talk about. You know, Bodie Edie uh, won his second national at Grand Bend, and we were honestly surprised about the amount of attention, particularly in the United States, people perked up because the first question, most people only remember Jordan Zoke outside the country. Oh, it's no one's beating Zoke, why are we paying attention? Sure. Somebody beat Zoke. Now unfortunately, Bodhi rides a Yamaha. The one thing that the United States doesn't crave are more Yamaha riders. <laughs> right. You know, it's going to be hard to load them into that system. It's a good system. They're, they've, you know, they've got more guys than they can move up as it is. Sure. But nonetheless, you know, that winning races attracts attention and allows you theoretically to make the next step. And you know, Bodhi came out of the Honda 125 series. He's won a couple of superbike races. He's 21 years old. He's retired for a while and come back. So that's it's an interesting world. You know, we see this in the states. These really young guys who were identified early but to try and keep marching along and next steps and how much does it cost and all that stuff yeah. and uh, you know it's it's great to go race in Spain but that's 
that takes a lot of money too. Yeah, and uh, and you know I, I hate to be this guy, but we are not on the radar with the, with Dorna, right? We're we are a backwater here. So whatever our problems are, we're going to have to develop our own solutions, and and that's fine. And uh, you know I'm I'm not a former world champion hero like Wayne Rainey is certainly one of my favorite racers of all time. I don't wield that kind of influence. So we you know we do it our own way, and and it's a, a different market and a different economy. And the United States has ten times as many people and a lot more warm weather, which is obviously better for motorcycling. However, having made all those terrific excuses, um, I think it's interesting. Canada has a, a surprising amount of success at growing motorcycle racers. You know, we've done better than we probably should have. So we're proud about that. You know, we're, we're a bunch of people who like motorcycling. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's going to be more, you know, because as is, I like it. He's very un-Canadian in that he acknowledges he's trying to get out of here and go to the next step. And of course, you know, part of the reason we switched to Dunlops was because the next logical step is to go south, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't really have hardly anyone doing that right now. We have one guy, but he's not a product of our system. He came back from Europe. But nonetheless, there is one Canadian doing well. Um, however, it's nice to hear Tommy, you know, not be embarrassed to say, I'm trying, you know, I want to make the next step. So well, yeah. we'd like, this, like to keep, keep them moving. Yeah, that's good. Well, Colin, uh, we know you're busy here. We got to, you got stuff to do here for after the race, and uh, appreciate the time you're taking with us here on the False Neutral. And uh, man, I always love coming up here, and look forward to doing it again some more next year. All right. Well, thank you. It's good to hear from you, and uh, thanks for the help.